Welcome to the Flow Seekers podcast. Presented by Tara Howe, co-director of Blue Derby Pods Ride, this podcast showcases some of the world's most interesting individuals and delves deep into conversation about their life and stories of how they experience the flow. Listen in for inspiration, education, entertainment, and all going to plan, a moment in flow. Hello and welcome back to our Flow Seekers podcast. My name is Tara Howe. Today's guest is Olivia Morrison. Olivia is the owner and founder of Bread and Butter, which is this beautiful, authentic bakery, but it's so much more than a bakery, in Launceston, Tasmania. In addition to this, Bread and Butter is also our main food supplier at Blue Pods Ride. So if you're a past guest, you'll have absolutely had some, had some of this delicious food. And if you're a future guest, you'll get the opportunity to do in the future. Our conversation today goes around some really interesting topics. I'll run through these in a little more detail now. So firstly, we talk about the story of Olivia's and how she's gone from being a website coder into owning Bread and Butter. We then talk around the ethos of bread and butter, which absolutely aligns with Bloody Pods Ride. We then go into the rhythm of essentially making bread and butter and everything else they do and how that can be applied to this idea of flow and how you maybe get flow in this state. And then lastly, we talk about why the best results come from hard work. This conversation is with someone who I admire, but she's also a friend and obviously a colleague. So it's candid and it's authentic and it's lovely. And it gives a really great insight into someone who's doing something incredibly inspirational, paving the way in a new way of doing things. And if you're ever in Launceston, you should absolutely head down to Bread and Butter and try some of their wonderful food. So enjoy and I'll talk to you more next time. Cheers. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today, Olivia. No problem. I have uh, had you on my list to chat to you for a while and um, on a really topic that I don't know much about at all and but is completely your life uh, in your world at Bread and Butter. So we'll see how far we can delve into this idea of making and um, putting love into bread and butter. I think to start with, though, because you've had an really interesting journey from the bits that I've been aware of. Maybe I'll just get you to start by describing bread and butter and where you are today. Like, What is bread and butter for you? Bread and butter is a beast that started in the basement of my home four years ago. I think that sums it up. So <laughs> um, it started with a butter factory and now is a bakery in two locations uh, in Launceston. We produce cultured butter, which goes into all of our um, venoiseries, so pastry. Um, and we also produce uh, natural leaven bread that um, goes perfectly with butter. So that's what bread and butter is. Um, we've got a big location in the hub of Launceston that um, <clears throat> is sort of um, has come about by 
my travel around the world where you notice that every good city has a bakery that has the heart and soul of a community um, that can offer basically fresh bread every single day of the year, um, good quality nutrition and just a lovely space so that everyone can utilise it. So that's Mm. what bread and butter is. Amazing. I know when we first started chatting, I remember one thing you said to me, which I've never forgotten about was, uh, and you're talking about the butter at this time, you're like, it's going to be the Mm -hmm. creme de la creme, Tara. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm sure it will be. What makes your bread and butter, in particular, I was thinking of butter, but probably your bread too, so special compared to other people making bread and butter? Uh, It starts by using simple local ingredients. So butter comes from milk, which we have an abundance of in Tassie. And then we're just treating it with traditional methods and producing something that is exceptional without fiddling with it too much. So letting the ingredients do its thing and eventually it just does its best instead of throwing a bunch of other crap into it and trying to force it into a product that lasts for um, three years on the shelf or um, in the fridge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you've ever had the opportunity of tasting your bread and butter, which a lot of our guests at pods, such all our guests at pods get to, it is incredibly special. So the way you've described that sounds simple, but I know it's not. We even have had guests reply in our feedback form saying, you know, it was an amazing experience. The only problem I have now is where do I get this butter in Queensland? (laughs) So (laughs) it's relatively addictive. So um, you said before it started in a basement. Um, Talk us through the first batch of butter to where, like the stages of success you've had because it's been I, I can't believe it's only been four years, actually. I feel like in my mind it's been a lot longer Maybe it's that. been longer. Bread and butter's been four years. I think that I started, I was still had many just, so let's say six years. Mm. Talk us through the pivotal steps, though. You started in the basement, your first batch, and then you went to the harvest market. Is that right? Harvest market, um, sold out every single gram of butter I had. Um, at your first stall at the market. Yeah, and then it's just sort of been a matter of trying to keep up and make as much as I can without, yeah, compromising on quality and um, why why we do it. So keeping everything hands-on and also not really knowing, sort of going into the project without having a lot, any experience at all. So um, huge learning curve about, well, I had very strong ideas about manufacturing and um, how it should be done in an ideal world in my head. Um, And then um, coming up against like commercial realities and really what I was trying to do clashes with how the system set up and um, yeah, it's really difficult and challenging and um, it takes a lot of effort to just sort of carve your niche and work out what's best. Mm, Totally. And so then you just alluded to uh, like you had some ideals but little experience because how how would you describe your pre-profession to this? Sitting in front of a computer. (laughs) um, (laughs) 
coding. 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 So you doing coding, and <clears throat> then you decided to go into a completely different world. Why mm. did you decide to go into bread and butter, and then everything else has evolved? And like, what has drawn you to that? Um, I saw the value in producing something that people loved instead of sitting in front of a computer and sending off code and not having any feedback and not really feeling like you're doing anything valuable with your time. Um, I felt that producing something that people like to eat would be more rewarding than sitting in front of a computer. Mm. And is it? Yeah. Cause you're creating something. It's always good to do something that you are creating and then you're getting the feedback when you're selling, um, or you're letting people try your product and you know that it's good because you've done, you put all the hard work into it and they're saying that it's amazing and they're getting joy out of something that you've made, basically. Mm. Direct feedback, direct feedback. Okay, so let's talk about the process then. I have little idea how the process goes for making bread and or butter, but my interesting attempts through COVID and... I, I want to delve into this a little bit more because my gut feeling is that you have got to have there's there's flow state um, is this really interesting point where you've got a certain amount of challenge and uh, a certain amount of like risk is required I suppose and if you go too far either way you're going to go into boredom and you are or you're going to go into a state of anxiety and my gut feel is with creating these really I don't want to say natural or uh, like, you know, traditional products, there has to be this element that at points you get into flow. So talk to me through the process of what happens. Um, well, I'll start with a cultured butter. In simple forms, you're taking cream, adding a bacteria, lactic um, acid-producing bacteria, adding it to the cream, letting it ferment. So in that process, you're assessing the cream as it comes in, um, looking at its qualities, knowing how much and what type of bacteria to add to it, monitoring sort of um, a growth phase um, where it transforms the cream into like a sour, tangy, delicious cream, and then you're churning it. So it's pretty simple. Get cream, make it sour cream, Turn it into butter, wash it, put it into a package, and then put it onto bread. And what so about bread? The bread. Um, <clears throat> so bread that we make is just flour, water, and salt. It's pretty much the same process as butter. You've got a um, living bacteria that you're um, adding to flour and water, um, fermenting it, monitoring it, making sure that it's good, and then basically handling it until it gets into the oven um, and then you end up with tasty bread. Delicious bread. Mm. Just go with me on these questions then. How many do you have in your team now, Olivia? Uh, 41 people now. 41. And how many of those people are actually making bread, for example? Um, We've got... Or help with that process because I have this image of like people just, you know, like needing bread <laughs> all the time. Furiously, we only furiously. Have, um, it takes two bakers to produce our bread, so it's really small comparatively mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the pastries in general and and all the extras that you do as well. 
Yeah, so two just bread, then we've got a pastry team and then we've got our kitchen team and then we've got our pizziola that takes the dough that we make and turns it into a delicious pizza and then we've got the kitchen staff that turn our bread into amazing food. So it's like a combo from, (laughs) yeah. Does this image that I have in my mind ever happen where you are, whatever those teams are doing, are you know, whether they're creating pastries or, I don't know, in the kitchen or they're, um, you know, kneading bread, where people are actually just doing that together and there's this rhythm of this produce being created happening with people and conversation happening around it. Does that ever happen in that environment? Yeah, and shaping bread because we hand scale, like hand weigh each loaf and shape every single loaf. So that involves everyone standing around um, and shaping a couple hundred loaves of bread um, and having a chat. Daily? Uh, Yeah, every single day. So that is a big part of everything. And then it's, it's just like I think that with baking, it's sort of it's like a domino of things to do right through the day. So the whole day is set out. Um, when you arrive, there's like bread that's been fermenting that needs to go in the oven and then you start mixing the other dough at the same time. So you have to all work in in perfect sync to make everything go just right. And if it doesn't, then it all falls down. So that's from mixing the stuff. Like if you forget we have a starter that we have to look after. If you forget to do that at four, four, 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning, then you don't have bread ever. You have to build another one. So there's, there is that risk of making sure that you're doing everything right and everyone's working as a team and you know your role and you're just pretty much not thinking. You're just doing the day's work until it's finished at the end of the day. Mm. So and then repeat. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, that's the bit that blows my mind and literally what you've just described. It's like this human cog of like it's all happening and it goes again and it all happens and goes again. And, um, you know, there is a little, like not a little, there's quite a lot of risk in this. It's like if you, as you said, the starter doesn't, you know, get mixed properly, then that whole process is just falls over. Like- but then externally to that as well from the bakery, then our delivery guy has to be there at the right time to pick up the bread so it gets to our other venues so that we have it for sale. If it doesn't do that, then we don't have the bread for the kitchen and the kitchen can't do the job and, and the pastry can't do the job and our customers get shitty. And so it's just like a bread and butter cycle that basically never ends. Mm. Did you ever imagine this would get to this point? Is this what you hoped for? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's just evolved that way. It's just growing, as you say, to this beast. Yeah. Mm. And you you, I think you just make decisions every day that maybe not consciously but sat down and thought about them because it's such Mm. a fast-moving environment. And Rob and I haven't, we've managed to not close bread and butter a single day in the past since we opened October almost well what three and a half years ago so Mm. not even right so right through COVID right through the move of our location we have done the flow of our daily bread every single day (laughs) for that continuous amount of time Mm. somehow somehow you've managed I I don't know and you know (laughs) we're fortunate enough to work with you guys and I am 
always like oh, holy smokes there's just so much going on but the flow of the daily bread that just must rule your life in a good and bad way yeah <laughs> but and i mean it's like the demand and supply as well as like a, that same sort of flow that keeps you going and absolutely absolutely tell me about the ethos around bread and butter because this is something that um we're really one of the reasons why we love working with you and i know i've seen it in action but you have a your ethos is around tasmanian and really high quality produce because i think this is something that you know you don't compromise on from day dot talk to me a little bit more about that so our ethos is to um make everything ourselves from scratch using locally sourced ingredients and when we can't make things we buy them made from someone else um, because they make them better than us which uh yeah i suppose that sums it up we don't do like fake foods um we try and use um we use as little ingredients as possible we use traditional methods because that's ground and how we make our butter and where possible and like if we're looking at who the people that we buy off we have sort of like a procurement ranking system where it's like local female you know and then it goes down sorry so there's it's it's complicated and i know when um alex first started um and even any chef that's come into our team um really finds it like incredibly challenging dealing with i think we have 20 plus different suppliers mm-hmm. so traditionally in a, um, a restaurant or a bakery or uh, any hospitality venue you like most places will just buy everything from one supplier or two or three because um it's really simple process um and they just take whatever they have based on price and availability and we build relationships with a lot of different people so a day for a chef might be on ordering twice a week they'll come in and place an order with two or three people and it would just come and ours is like you come in and you have to work out try and get it out of my head where everything comes from so like our fruit comes from new south wales from a small farm um it takes three weeks to get here so you can't just one day so oh, we run out of raisins can you just get some like no it takes three weeks mm. um you need to call um phil from the walnut farm if you want walnuts like it's so complicated so an ordering like process to order is incredibly challenging for for our team and I realise that but it's something that we don't compromise on Mm, mm. and I think that is one of the best like I mean so many things I love about bread and butter but that is one of the best things and you know it you know it when you're eating the produce and that's why you get that great feedback every time I think because it's you haven't compromised at one point at any point and you're still at this amazing scale complex Mm. incredibly hard but absolutely worth it in in my opinion absolutely worth it and I always, um, my saying uh, is always, nothing good is ever easy. So sometimes it gets thrown back in my face <laughs> <laughs> when it gets hard. <laughs> it, it is true, though. It is true. The You just mentioned early on in that commentary around uh, using traditional methods, which is, again, like it's, I, I love that about bread and butter. And I, I want to apply this now to... I don't know, inspiring people um, in their day-to-day, how they can bring that approach and even that quote you've just said, nothing 
good comes easy. How do we bring those? How do you think we should be bringing those into our day to day life other than just coming and enjoying produce at bread and butter, but themselves? Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Tricky one. It's tricky, but I feel like, you know, that is a mentality you've just, you've just got and you've brought it into your business and it's an absolute success and it's an absolute credit to you. And in my opinion, we should all be having this. We should be approaching this mentality more, but we don't, mm. you know. Oh, such a complicated. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like where do you start, you know? <laughs> because it's about uh, knowing what your values are as a person and being stubborn enough not to compromise on them in your business. Mm. And I don't know how you would, like, foster that. Yeah. Well, I think you've just summed it up in a sentence and it's about literally establishing those values, as you say, and not not forgoing them in business, which is really, and, and life, you know, people who don't have their own business, it's just general life, not compromising yeah. on those values. Which yeah. is a lot easier and, said than done. Yeah, it's all it's it's never also completely balanced either. It's always like a fine line of walking between what you're comfortable with and what you're not. Yeah, absolutely. I reckon that's that's perfect. We can we can leave listeners with that good <laughs> advice. I want to finish with asking you a couple of um kind of standard questions that we well there are three standard questions that we have to finish mm-hmm. one of them is a really simple quote that I pre-prepared and hoped that our conversation would align with that mm-hmm. quote and just what your comment on the quote and then the other two is uh, just to finish this this sentence so we'll start with those two um the first one, obviously the name of this podcast is Flow Seekers and uh, I would say now people have heard a little bit more about you, they'd say you're definitely a flow seeker in yourself, whether you put that label on yourself or not, Olivia. Mm. But the sentence is flow seekers are, and so how have you like to finish that sentence, flow seekers are? Um, uh, flow seekers are... Um, People who know how to balance um, <laughs> their balancing values and lives, navigate their lives, I suppose. Mm, yes, that's I can good. Give you. <laughs> no, that's really good. That's really good. Very good. Okay, the next sentence is, uh, for me, flow is, and then it's finishing that. So for me, flow is. Uh, for me, flow is when all of the moving parts are working as they should. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Let me know when that happens. <laughs> and the last one is a quote that I prepared. And look, it applies, but I'm not sure if it's a perfect. I like your quote that you've already referred to more. But it was just literally um, one day at a time. And your comments on that? Yeah, it is just one day at a time in a, in a cycle that um, is ever moving forward. Yeah, exactly. And my mind was thinking about how ridiculous it just keeps rolling in your business. It's just like yeah. repeat, repeat, repeat. Yeah, you just oh, yeah. show up and you know that you know what's going to happen mm, mm. within certain boundaries. And 
We can set boundaries, yeah, absolutely. Look, thank you so much for your time, Olivia, and our conversation around something that is completely foreign to me but applies still to this topic of flow seekers. Really appreciate your insights and, of course, really appreciate um, working together with Blue yeah, Pods Rider and Brennan Butter. It's, yeah, a wonderful relationship. So I know a lot of our guests um, who have enjoyed their food love it and those to come will uh, get to enjoy uh, enjoy some of those principles that you've just been talking about. So cheers. Blue Derby Pods Ride offers multi-day luxury adventure mountain biking experiences based out of unique and exclusive accommodation pods in the middle of the forests of the Blue Derby Mountain Bike Trails, Derby, Tasmania. Tara and Steve Howe are the dynamic husband and wife founders and owners of this world-first and critically acclaimed business. The University of Tasmania undertook research on Blue Derby Pods Ride to assess the role that adventure tourism plays in stimulating flow. The results of this were very positive, particularly the importance of Blue Derby Pods Ride experience leaders in ensuring this mental state is reached. Find out more about Blue Derby Pods Ride in our podcast show notes And if you enjoyed this podcast, please go ahead and review us on your favourite podcast platform. Until next time, enjoy experiencing the flow.